Welcome to the Online Course Masters Show, where we learn from the best online course creators how to better create and sell our very own courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebener, and I am so excited for today's guest. In this episode, I bring an expert in outsourcing, Dina Eisenberg, who's been teaching small business owners how to outsource their own work. If there's one episode that will truly help you grow your business faster, this is it. Visit OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes to watch the video version of this episode and see an archive of all our past guests. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. The one thing you can do for me is leave a review for the show, which helps us expand to an even larger audience. Thanks, and let's get straight to the interview. Hi, Dina. Welcome to the Online Course Masters show, and I'm so excited to have you here. You've inspired me to outsource um, my some of my work, and this is a really kind of a different episode than some of my other ones because your focus is really about outsourcing, and I thought it would be cool to bring in some experts who will help online teachers take their skills to the next level. So you're an expert at outsourcing. Welcome to the show. And for people who don't know about you, can you talk to us a little bit more about your background? I would love to. First, I have to just say thank you for having me on. I, I'm over the moon to join you. You're one of my favorite online course instructors. I just got your new course. And I'm really loving it. So thanks so much for having me on, Phil. And, you know, I always love to talk about my favorite topic, outsourcing. So people are like, well, how do you get to be like an outsourcing strategist? Isn't that like something you think about in third grade, right? So, I, you know, my, my process was a little bit of a patchwork quilt. I started as an attorney, and I was practicing law, prosecuting doctors for sexual misconduct. Very serious work. What wow, I gained yeah. from that, yeah, was the ability to sort of listen to people and help them speak up for themselves. And so I went on to become a mediator and then eventually the corporate ombudsman for Bank of America was helping all kinds of employees sort of navigate and negotiate conflict. Um, and all that time I was running my own business. And so I'd been outsourcing for years and years and years and I thought everybody else was too. Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, my husband got laid off from his job, and I was actually kind of thrilled about it because, you know, he was very good at what he did. He was making his company a ton of money, and I thought, well, this is great. You know, I've been a lifelong entrepreneur, so I'm I'm comfortable with that risk. So I convinced him to be an accidental entrepreneur and start his own company. In three years, you know, he skyrocketed and he had a million-dollar business. We were living the dream. You know, the time freedom that everybody wants when they start their own business. We were portable, could be wherever we wanted. It was just great. And then the sneeze happened. My husband's held, you know, held in the sneeze. You know, sometimes you don't want to sneeze and wake your partner up. And you're like, I'm going to be polite about it. Well, he did that, except that it ruptured two discs in his back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, crushed the nerve sac at the bottom of his spine. I'm rushing him to the hospital in the middle of the night, and the doctor says something that you'd heard on Grey's Anatomy a million times. She says, we have to operate in the next 90 minutes or he's going to be paralyzed. So, you know, of course, all my attention went to him for that night. Next morning, he wakes up. Thank goodness surgery is fine, but he begins a two-year recovery period. His business, though, died that week. I could do nothing to help him because he hadn't been outsourcing. He didn't have a system in place. He didn't have any other help. And that really 
just kind of killed his business because I couldn't help him run it. And I thought, oh, gosh, you know what? I bet we're not the only people who've been living this way. And so that's that's how my interest in outsourcing really became my passion and my mission. Wow. Well, that I'm sorry about that. That is a kind of a traumatic event that well, change everything for you guys. And um, wow, well, I, di- I hadn't heard that before. So thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, I, you know, I, I tell the story and it's kind of a harsh story when you hear it, kind of smacks you in the face, right? Mm-hmm. But I tell it because I don't want anybody else to experience that. And people are so resistant to the idea of delegating and outsourcing. They kind of think they have to do everything themselves. That it's a great wake up call. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm young and I'm at this point where like, I feel like I'm all, you know, I'm never going to die, but I know it's going to, yeah, I'm invisible, but I, I know I'm not. And it's something I actually have talked about with my wife before. And she's asked, she's like, what if, what if you died and what would happen to your business? I don't know how to even log on to Udemy to like check your, (laughs) your stats and it's something while I've told her, well, okay, there's a couple instructors that I trust. So just contact them and they, they would be able to help you out. But but just in general, not, you know, not even if it wasn't dying, which is more kind of morbid, but if there's any other kind of change in my life or uh, other things where if I, like a good change, maybe I want to yeah, yeah. have a you baby. Won the lottery. Yeah, I win the lottery. I have a baby and I want to like not spend 40 hours a week doing this. Having people working for me or having systems to outsource is a great idea, I think. And especially for for me right now and for people listening, I've talked to Dina about outsourcing before and to help grow my business even more, I think outsourcing is one key uh, thing to, uh, to learn how to do. So, so that's how you got into this idea of outsourcing. You saw there was a need. Uh, what were the next steps for you in, in terms of learning how outsourcing works? Well, you know, the lawyer in me just kind of kicked in. And so I actually did a pretty good study of the platforms. I was probably one of the most skeptical people about Fiverr around. And so I actually joined on the seller side so I could understand how the process worked. I, you know, to see were people really being scammed? Cause you know, everyone was like, Oh, Fiverr is terrible. You don't get any work and just a big scam. So I wanted to find out for myself. So I joined as a, you know, a seller and I learned what the process was. And in doing that, I really was able to figure out what would make you a good buyer. And so how you could be on the platform and, you know, honor the people who are working there, get what you want at the price that you wanted. And so that's how my business kind of developed. And then I started looking at um, Upwork. I've actually been outsourcing since 2008. And I've had, gosh, hundreds of successful transactions. And, you know, that stuff leaves clues. (laughs) So... I've been sort of putting the clues together and, and sharing them with people so that they can see that it's a process, it's a repeatable process that you can do. And once you start to master the steps of it, it should be something you just do naturally. You, the first thought should be like, okay, who else could do this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I've played around with outsourcing uh, for the past few years. There's different things that I've done from outsourcing the transcribing of my courses to the closed captions. I've had someone basically turn a transcription of a course into an ebook. But I've also had my horror stories where I've hired someone to do something on Upwork and they just never did it or it's taken them a long time or they did it the wrong way. 
So we're going to get into the kind of that kind of stuff and how yeah, you look. how you hire someone good to do your outsourcing. Uh, what kind of services do you pr- provide right now? Because you have a website and I know this podcast is for online course creators, but it's also I think a lot of people who run their own websites and businesses yeah. and you have a pretty neat website that you're building and some thing courses you're building too. What what kind of services and products sure, do you provide? I'd love to talk about that. So, you know, when I first started talking about outsourcing, I wanted people to learn the process of doing it. And what I realized is that the best way to learn it is to actually do a project. So I have delegation guides that give you an overview of the topic, for instance, podcasting then breaks down all the tasks that you could outsource and tells you how to do them. And then I provide resources because, you know, we're trying to save time here. So if I can give you the answer, I'm going to do that. And then um, my course is coming up on straight ahead how to delegate. You know, part of the problem with delegation is that people have some issues, emotional issues around it. So we're going to be adding some courses around emotional intelligence, you know, how to trust and let go. I, I'm sure that you're not a micromanager at all. <laughs> no, that, that's something I need to work on. I feel like I, I have to learn to let go because all of my courses and all my work, I feel like they're my little babies that I, I'm such a perfectionist about. Um, even though I think I actually have a pretty good balance in like not being a perfectionist in the sense that I, I can publish a course when I know it's not perfect. I can, you know, launch a YouTube video. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's something that holds a lot of people back from actually yeah. publishing their content. But yeah. at the same time, this whole idea of having someone else edit my course or do my social media for me, this is something I need to work on. Yeah, because you're thinking, it's my secret sauce. How can somebody else have my secret sauce? Yeah. But, you know, the truth of the matter is you can teach someone your secret sauce. <laughs> and... Sometimes when somebody does it um, differently, they do it better than you. Mm. So there's that possibility. That's true. That it might be even be better. That's really true. And for people who want to do online teaching or any sort of online business, we have to wear so many hats from the content creator to the marketer to the yep. accountant. And actually, that is one of the first things that I did outsource was my accounting after I got married, Yay. actually, because my wife, we've been together for a while and I had always done my own taxes. But when we got married, she was like, I don't trust you to do all this, especially when the business <laughs> was increasing and it was getting a little bit more complicated. So that was one of the first things. And just it's February when we're recording this and I'm having my accountant do my taxes right now. So that's super been super helpful. Um, and isn't that great? Because it's one of the, the it's one of the things you're already um, outsourcing. So many people think of outsourcing as this foreign thing that big companies do. Well, you're already outsourcing in your private life. You get someone to do your taxes, right? That's outsourcing. You go to a restaurant, you outsource the cooking, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, we're already doing it. I'm just trying, trying to get people to think about, oh, well, how can I do it inside my business to free up the time to give me the things that, that I want? Yeah, very true. Very true. And like you just said earlier, the accounting is one example of where that person can definitely do it better than I can. And That's right. it would take me a long time to learn how to do it as good. And it's it's just worth it. It, so, it is worth it. So uh, for people who are listening or watching this, you can actually follow along or check out Dina's website at OutsourceEasier.com. And uh, I'll also include all of the links that she wants to give us in the show notes on the Online Course Masters uh, website if you want to listen along. So for online teachers, 
what's what are the first things that you would recommend us outsourcing? You know, I thought about this, and we're such a visual medium that one of the first things I think you should outsource um, for a couple of reasons is your graphics, your course graphics. Um, some of the platforms are pretty specific, like Udemy, about what they want it to look like. And if graphics is not your thing, better to let somebody else take care of doing that. And if you're going to do multiple courses, which is probably the best way to up your earning, I know that's been like the ticket for you is to have multiple courses, then you want them to be branded across your courses so people recognize, hey, that's a field course, and I love field courses. I'm going to get it. And so the branding part and the graphics is something I definitely think you should send out. And you're looking for someone who is going to be on your team for a while, whether they're on Fiverr or Upwork. You want a graphic designer who you like their style, they have some flexibility, and they're excited about creating for your brand because they're going to create the cover image for you. They're going to create a little logo for you. They're going to create some other image quotes that you can use when you're promoting on Twitter or Pinterest or those other things. And you want them all to tie together and look fabulous. So that's definitely something I think that you could send out while you're working on your course, right? And have those things created for you. And the great thing about doing it on Fiverr, just from a budgetary standpoint, for somebody who thinks, eh, I don't want to spend the money, you know, maybe you're going to spend $25 and you can get maybe four or five different graphic designers to produce for you. Now you have a choice, mm. right? That's a good idea. That's a good idea. And yeah, there's a low cost to to just test it out. And that's something that uh, someone, I came with sort of a graphic design background, or at least I knew how to create graphics. So that was one of the things where I didn't even think about outsourcing that. But I hear so often from new instructors struggling to, you know, how do they create their own icons or course images or anything like that. So I agree. I think that's one of the first things that I would outsource too. And so you mentioned Fiverr, you mentioned Upwork. I'm going to skip to that question about how, how do you find someone on those sites or, or elsewhere to, to actually do it? What do you, what are you looking for to, yeah, yeah. for the right person? Happy to talk about that because, you know, it is a little bit complex. So I'll, I'll just quickly talk about the kinds of sites. So Fiverr and Upwork are kind of on-demand marketplaces. You say what you need to get done. People on the platform say how much they're willing to accept to do that work for you. Fiverr started out being $5, but they're not $5 now. Uh, they've actually shifted their model so that they want most of the work to be custom work, which means that you're going to say what you want to get done, and the provider is going to suggest a price. And it's going to be more than $5, so don't be surprised. But it's still going to be less than if you'd gone with you know, somebody off-platform. So on-demand platforms like Fiverr, good for fast work. You need it done like in a couple of days, Fiverr is great for you. Um, Upwork is... A, also an on-demand platform. I like Upwork better when the project is longer. It's going to be a longer relationship because they have um, a workroom system so that you can talk to the person and communicate. So it's easier to direct the project over time on Upwork. The same quality of work. You'd be surprised how many people are on Upwork and on Fiverr. And I know people have a, I don't know, a perception of that Online providers are, you know, scammers, freelancers are not quality work. That's not true. I've had so many experiences 
finding a magnificent freelancers who are doing this to fill up their excess capacity, right? They got a couple of extra hours. Why not make a little bit of money? So don't assume that the person is bad. So there's Upwork and um, Fiverr are on-demand platforms. Then there's something called like um, dedicated VA, and that would be like uh, Worldwide 101 or Time, etc., where you're going to get one person who's going to get your task, and they're going to go out to their network and select the VA who does the work. So you're only talking to this one person. They're talking to all the different freelancers for you. And so if you're somebody who wants a little hand-holding, that's a good way to do it, right? So those are the different platforms. I love working on all of them. I kind of think of it as, um, I'm trying to think, fast food or clothing. I'm trying to think which analogy to use today. <laughs> uh, so, Scott, let's do the fast food one. So, you know, Fiverr is kind of like McDonald's. You know, you're going to get what you're going to get, and you know what you're getting. <laughs> So Upwork is like a casual dining. Um, I don't know. What's a, what's your favorite casual dining spot? Though? I mean, it's not my favorite, but the first things that come to mind are maybe like a Red Robin or Applebee's or something yeah, like that. <laughs> that's what came to mind for me, too. <laughs> I was thinking Red Lobster. Yeah. Right? So you're, you're going to get it, and it's a little bit tailored to you. You can change the ingredients or not. But if you go to like the plaza, you can have the experience that you want. Excuse me. Yeah. Well, yeah. While you take a sip, that this is this is perfect. This is exactly what we need. And and back to like the fiber. Yeah, it's it's cheap. It's easy. It's fast. But but it's also you know you might get something very similar to another person because it's not that customized. Right. And the way to manage that is to be very detailed in your job description. Right. You have to tell people, and it's so sad that you have to, but you have to tell people. Don't plagiarize. If I always give an example when I, I always give an example when I get graphic work and I always say you're to be inspired by this work don't copy right because if they do copy and you don't catch it you're responsible for that so you want to be pretty clear when you're doing these online projects about what you want but just as clear about what you do not want them to do yeah that's something that I think is pretty hard for people getting started like figuring out what how detailed you have to be in a description. So like say you're hiring someone to outsource your graphic for let's just say some YouTube thumbnails or something like that. Yeah. What what do you have to include in like the project description uh, when you're hiring that? So if I was going to get some YouTube graphics, maybe a cover, you know, I'm going to look at some covers to be able to give them an example and say, I kind of want it to look like this. I'm, before that even happens, though, I will have looked at the portfolio, all of the pictures, to make sure that they have the style I want. Particularly on Fiverr, you're not going to get somebody who ch- is going to change their style for you. The gestalt of Fiverr, if you will, is fast. So they want to be able to stay in their style and turn it over quickly. So I'm going to pick something out of their portfolio and show it to them. And the funny thing is that they forget sometimes what's in their portfolio. So you can't just say, well, the the blue one. They're they're not going to know. You have to show them that. Then I say, I don't, I hear the dimensions. I want you to follow the dimensions. I don't want you to copy. And, you know, if you have any questions, come to me right away. And, you know, that way you can really kind of define the experience for them. Got it. Got it. And so when I go on Upwork, and probably a lot of people, when they first go on Upwork, um, they 
they see they post a job you can post a job you got your description then you get all kinds of people responding and you've got people who are coming from all over the world with all kinds of different prices and i think the first gut reaction is like oh well let me just find the cheapest person to do it how do you balance wanting to find someone that's inexpensive especially when you're starting out but also making sure that they're going to be high quality yep so can I just give this one little tip about Upwork? Yeah. Um, you know, Upwork presents to you the, the providers they want you to see. So I never use the first screen of search. I always change the filter somehow. And that's one way to begin to sort of narrow it down and, and get a better quality of provider. Um, then, you know, I, I have some standards. So on Upwork, I'm looking for a certain number of reviews and projects done. Over 100, right? Because... 100 people can't be wrong. And then I read the reviews. And, you know, some people are like, am I going to read a couple? No, I just keep reading until I get to a bad one. Why do I want to see a bad review? Because nobody's perfect. Everybody screws up. I want to see what happened when they screwed up. Did the person say we had an incident and they were great about it and we resolved it right away? Or do they say they went to Ether, they ghosted me, I never heard from them again, right? You really want to take your time and look. Um, also, on Upwork, you don't necessarily want to do a public uh, mm. posting. Okay. Right? That's, the first time I did, I did a public posting, and I'm just smacking facepalm, right? Public posting, 89 people replied. And I didn't know that you're not supposed to reply to every person. So it took me a week to write to every person and explain to them why they weren't getting the job. <laughs> And no, not all of them were qualified. And then, you know, what I got back from that is they're like, you're the only person who ever kind of wrote back and said, why I'm not getting the gig. Okay. So that kind of raised my, um, my capital. Cause you know, those platforms are double blind. You're rating people, but the providers are rating you too, just so you know. So you don't want to do the public posting. You want to spend some time searching on your own, on your leisure time while you're watching TV in your category to find the people and then you're just inviting them privately to that listing mm. so that you reduce your um, candidate pool significantly. That's awesome advice. I love that. I think that's, that's going to change for a lot of people how, how they can use Upwork just better the first time around. Are you enjoying this episode? We hope you're learning to become a better course creator. If you want to fast track your success, get the free seven step guide to success at onlinecoursemasters.com. Now let's get back to the show. Cool. Yeah. So this is great. Now how I as a as someone who is starting out and who likes this idea of outsourcing but doesn't know like if it's even worth it. I I actually heard uh, a buddy of mine um I'll just Jeremy Deegan is wondering about this. He he was posting yeah. in our Facebook group the other day like how do you know like when it's worth it to actually outsource, especially when you're starting out, you don't have much yeah. money. Um, what what kind of advice do you have around that? My favorite question, because, you know, we all start out thinking bootstrap. Could you bootstrap? And if I'm not making any money, how could I possibly spend any money? And I totally understand that because I felt the same way for years. And there's sort of this idea of, well, I'll just do it myself, right? I can, I'm smart. The trouble is that you you lose energy and momentum if you don't start outsourcing pretty right away. 
pretty much right away because, you know, it's hard, right, to figure out who your market is and reach the right people. You have enough stuff to do that any of the busy work that you can offshoot, you should. So here's how I think about it. You probably have in your head an amount you'd like to make for the year or the month or whatever. If you take that and divide it by the number of hours you work, you come out with your internal rate. That's your internal hourly rate that will let you reach your financial goal. That's the benchmark for me. If you can find freelancers, and I'll just say it right now, no matter what your budget is, there's somebody out there for you. If you can find someone who costs less than your internal hourly rate, it's time to start outsourcing. Because the money that you're going to spend for you doing that time you're going to spend, you can take that time and create or find a new client, right? So the hour or two that you're going to spend on Canva trying to create that horrible image quote that doesn't look good because you don't know graphics anyway, you could actually find someone on Fiverr, pay them the $10 for the quote, and spend those two hours writing a killer article that goes viral that boosts your sales of your course. Yeah. That's great. I mean, you and I'll say Dina told me about this sort of formula before when we talked and it's something that I've been thinking a lot about and for our, as an online course creator, I just think about what the things that take the most time for me, I think, and for I think a lot of people is editing my course videos and I've it, it's also one of the hardest things I think to find someone who you, you can trust to edit your video, but I'm actually going to be testing out next week a a friend from college who does editing and I'm going to have him edit some of my videos. And I just think like the time it takes for me to record versus edit it like it takes three to four or even five times as long to do the editing versus the recording. So if I could be recording more content courses, YouTube videos, and just have someone else edit them, that would be so awesome. And uh, so that's my goal right now is to have someone edit my course. Um, I love that you picked a friend too. What a nice way to sort of ease into this because he's someone that you know and trust. He gets you a course and he already has the skill set. So really for you guys, it's just going to be about tweaking things a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I was on the fence about finding hiring this guy because he is a friend. I didn't want to, he's, but he's like a friend. He's more of an acquaintance uh, than like a close friend, which I think is good because I don't want it to, mm -hmm. something to go wrong or like the payments to be weird with a friend. But yep. it's like the perfect sort of distance that, he, yeah, I trust him. I know him. It's not someone random on Upwork or Fiverr. Uh, yep. So I can kind of communicate with him better. And, and yeah, hopefully it'll work out. And um, by the time this episode launches, I'll have someone working full time for me editing videos. <laughs> Yay! I'm so excited. That you're just going to love it. So can I just pick up on one thing you just said, like if something goes wrong? Yeah. So whether you're outsourcing on on-demand platforms or you do a dedicated VA or you have someone in real life and something goes wrong, what do you do? I know that that's everybody's biggest fear. Like, how do I tell somebody they're screwing up? Well, you know, it's part of the process. And the way I approach it is not you telling, but asking. Like, because obviously there's a disconnect between what you wanted and what you got, right? So what you're doing is asking, how did that happen? I noticed blank, blank, blank. We discussed ABC. It seems it's 
one, two, three. How did that happen? Right? So you're not yelling at the person and scolding them. You're opening up the conversation to discuss where things went a little off the rails and what you would like to see happen. Mm, yeah, that's good. I like that. Um, so, so this is one idea for that I have for outsourcing. Um, there's lots of other things that I think I could outsource. What advice do you have about like hiring a VA kind of like full time or, or just like a consistent VA uh, who works a certain amount of hours um, and not just a project based sort of outsourcing? Yeah. I think that that's what I would love people to mature into. Mm-hmm. I think first you start off doing sort of piecemeal work and you have some folks who you're doing one project with. And that's fine because you're still learning how to manage uh, as the boss in the situation and how much help you need and what's going on. But at a certain point, if you're doing it right, you end up that you have a number of freelancers that you're using for different things. And it's taking so much of your time to manage what they're doing that you're like, well, where is my time savings now, right? So at some point, I think you really need to have a dedicated either VA or a project manager or for Star Trek fans, a number one, (laughs) somebody who you can communicate to who communicates to everybody else. And that's a mature level because now you're trying to really integrate all these people towards one goal or whatever goal you have in your business. And so they're, they're all aligned as opposed to being one off the way they are when you're just doing freelance work. And that one person, your number one or your quarterback, whatever you want to call that person, um, they're the one who does most of the communication with the group so that you can get that time back now and focus. Um, and you can use that person as a vehicle to get your work done. Yeah. Okay. I like that. And are there any places that you know of off the top of your head that are better for hiring more of like that full-time VA? Yeah, you know, a couple of things come to mind. Um, oddly enough, Facebook turns out to be a good place to find folks. Like I found um, Nicole Miller-Jackson. I think she got married, so maybe I'm switching her last names. But she's an excellent project manager, and I discovered her on um, Facebook, and she was my number one. And it worked great because she really got who I was. Um, she was good at managing me to provide all the things I needed to do for my team. Um, so you want somebody who, who's not only going to be able to manage the team, but also manage you a little bit. So Facebook might be a good place. I think you, you'll be fine to find someone on Upwork. There are all kinds of VA networks that you can tap into. Um, I'll make sure that I hand you some links about that. Cool. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Awesome. Well, I I think that's a lot of great stuff about outsourcing. I know you are creating your own online courses and you're you're kind of in the beginning journey of that. Um, You mentioned them before, but what are you creating some online courses about right now? Well, one, I'm creating the the Fiverr course because I just don't think people understand it yet. So a really simple course on how to quickly get started using it. Working on another course on... um, for online creators, so what a checklist. These are the things that you could outsource in your courses and how to do that. And then an emotional intelligence, the EQ course. And I'm kind of debating, so maybe you can help me. Yeah. I'm debating between uh, like a course on how to fire clients, which I think some people would really appreciate, um, or a course on really how to understand who you are in terms of conflict. Because a lot of times I think 
as an entrepreneur, we have things that we want to tell people when we have trouble. Yeah. Which would you rather have? I mean, the how to fire someone, it seems like a little more um, practical in, just in the way that you explain it. Um, yep. And I think, well, all those ideas, though, I think are really interesting and good um, and they're very beneficial for someone like me who's trying to grow my online business. And outsourcing, you can take stabs at it in the dark with trying all these different things, but it really does take or it would be beneficial for someone to walk through all those steps. So, um, I mean, that like Fiverr is great. You can even do specific ones on Upwork or or just a general outsourcing uh, course. but I like that I how to fire someone idea. I, and that's, I mean, it comes up so often. That and onboarding. So I definitely am going to do a course on how to onboard your team because I think people don't quite get that, that it's not just that they show up one day and start working for you, that you actually have to do some things to prepare for them. You have to have some idea what you want them to do, and they, they need kind of direction to be included. So they'll do an onboarding course for sure. Yeah. And so where are you planning to sell these courses right now? So I'm like everybody else excited about all the new platforms. Of course, I'll be on Udemy because who's not going to be on the biggest, largest, 600-pound gorilla? <laughs> uh, I'm going to be on Thinkific. Thinkific. I never say that right. Yep. Thinkific. Thinkific on that one. I'm on Teachable, but for some reason I'm locked out. So, <laughs> and then I want to try Zendler. Mm. Have you tried that one yet? I haven't tried it, but, you know, it seems like Zendler and Thinkific and Teachable are all platforms where it's you're going to have to do most of the uh, promoting yourself. So if you want to try it out, you can. But in the end, I would say just probably pick one of those um, to focus on because you're going to be driving most of the traffic yourself. Although they're Teachable... I don't know if you can figure out how to get (laughs) unlocked out from there, but I know Teachable is starting some kind of marketplace idea where they will be promoting courses that are on all the different teachable sites so they started out as a platform where you know everyone could use it but it's all separate you all have your own teachable site but i think now they realize that there's at this time there's like 15 million students or something using teachable on teachable course platform so might as well create some sort of marketplace where people can find all kinds of other teachable courses by the time this launches there might already be something like that um yeah i heard about that i think that it makes a lot of sense for them i think i'm gonna follow kind of what you've been doing and get my site ready to sell directly from my my own website yeah that's so complex yeah it's a lot of work but with all of your courses it seems like something you can bundle together and it would be a really good program that you could even sell for a more premium price. Um, And how are you right now, and how do you plan to build that audience yourself to uh, be able to promote your courses to? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of experiments. So right now I'm experimenting with Pinterest and kind of loving it. I'm a little surprised. (laughs) Because I was like, you know, I didn't really understand it, but it's been delivering the traffic for me. I love publishing on platforms like LinkedIn and um, Medium. Those are great, the Pulse. And then I'm actually spending a lot of time considering (laughs) doing a video series for YouTube. I know how powerful video is. 
And I usually enjoy being on video, so I think I'm going to put together a short series and see how that goes. I think that's great. I think you can create your content for YouTube, but you could also share it on all those other places like LinkedIn and Pinterest. And and Pinterest isn't a place that I've heard a lot of other online course creators using, but I've heard about a lot of other online business people using Pinterest for for massive success. And um, and I mean, with you, LinkedIn and maybe even Pinterest compared to some other platforms like Instagram or, I mean, Facebook probably is good, but since it's, your content is very professional, geared at people growing their businesses, I could see it doing really well on, especially LinkedIn. Yeah, I think that, that's been a great platform for me so far, but I'm always open. I, I like to experiment because you just never know what's going to catch on. Yeah, so what are your plans? You got this going on. When is this actually going to be live and when some of your courses and what are your plans for the next couple of years? Ooh, so the plan is to get um, a couple of courses live by the end of this month. Um, and for the next couple of years, I've really been thinking that I want to sort of build the bundle of courses, both on outsourcing and delegating and the emotional intelligence courses, and then do some live events. You know, I would love to be talking to small groups of entrepreneurs across the country on, you know, how to really think about outsourcing, how to inject it into their business, how to do the onboarding piece. That would be really fun. For me, I mean, one of the things I didn't talk about earlier is I'm kind of a big foodie. <laughs> nice. And so what I'm trying to do now in my brain is um, connect my work up with traveling and then food blogging. Mm. So, you know, going to different business events and live tweeting and presenting there. And then for the evening, going out and like seeing what the lifestyle is like, what the food's like, that kind of thing. So hopefully that's going to be it. Yeah, that sounds really good. I I always kind of like having those kind of side projects going on that are more fun. Uh, potentially could turn into some sort of business or income, but uh, that sounds really cool. So for my last question, I just want to ask you for if you have any other advice for online instructors who want to start outsourcing, but also kind of specifically for people listening who have never outsourced anything What's the first step? What What do you want to tell people to do right now after they, you know, listen to this podcast? How do they get started? Oh, that's such a juicy question. <laughs> I have so many things I want to say. Yeah, about you can it. say it. Say okay. as much as you want. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So, one start. Start as a small thing. It really doesn't have to be this outflown thing. I like to tell people pick something low risk small and disposable that so you're not really going to be so upset if you don't get it quite right the first time for me that's covers change your facebook cover right we're about to be in spring people so <laughs> decide that you want to get a new graphic for your facebook cover head on over to upwork and then start browsing and see like who excites you because if it excites your eye it's going to excite somebody else's then take the time to do the research Look at their portfolio and make sure you like it. Read their reviews to make sure that there's somebody who's going to be quality and reliable. Then take the leap. It's $25 at the most, $65. You will get a brand new cover, which is great. But more importantly, you'll get a new skill set that you can use for the next time you are overwhelmed and working on your course and you need some help. You'll have some experience. Don't feel like you have to jump in and do everything right away. Baby steps. Baby steps. 
Love it. And once you do that, though, I promise the people listening that you're going to start thinking about everything that you could outsource. And you could, that's, right. that's how I am right now. I'm like, okay, well, I could outsource editing. I'm outsourcing the editing of this podcast. I, I can outsource the uploading, all everything. I'm starting to think, okay, what can I outsource next? Oh, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> You made me so happy just now. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find you if uh, they want to find out more information about you? I was so excited to be here. Thanks, Phil. It's always great to talk to you. You know, I was really so excited. I put together a little gift for the listeners. Great. If they go to outsourceeasier.com online dash course dash creators, uh, you're going to find a checklist of things that you can start outsourcing today and i hope you will start today that's perfect and i'll link out to that on the course show notes so if people want to go to uh, onlinecoursemasters.com and click on dina's episode you can find out all the links to that and all of her other social media and websites and everything so dina thank you so much and uh who knows maybe we'll have you on in the future to see how you're doing with your new courses i would love to come back anytime phil I appreciate you so much. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, there's no better way to learn how to create and sell online courses than heading over to onlinecoursemasters.com and downloading your free seven-step guide to success. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen and make sure to leave a rating. If you do, I might even read it on a future show. Help us reach our first 100 ratings. It'll just take one extra minute of your time. Thanks, have a beautiful day, and we'll see you next week on the next episode.